Okay, I see a loading screen on my end. I believe we're live now. Uh, for anybody who may be watching, welcome to the first ever virtual episode of Family Reflections. Family Reflections is a time for Ionola Pictures to talk to you. It's a time for us to talk about things that matter to us. Um, on the line, I have with me Mafrin Emmanuel, um, who <laughs> happens to be my mom. <laughs> and, and I also have uh, the great and powerful Kenty Ramdat on the line with me. <laughs> and uh, we're just going to have a fun conversation this afternoon, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this evening is meant to be the Ayanola story. And um, we just want to share the Ayanola story with you guys. And if you have any questions, if you have any comments, make sure to jump in the comments and let us know. Uh, let us know what's on your mind and we'll try our best to answer any questions that you have. So uh, on my end, I'm just going to take a moment to make sure that, this, that we're actually live because I just want to make sure, right? I'm just going to hop onto my Facebook here to make sure that our live link is stable. Okay, it looks like it is. Looks like a few of you are already in here. So welcome, welcome. Make sure you share, like, <laughs> let people know so they don't miss it, all right? All um, right. So I'll, I'll just open the floor for Kenty and my mom to just introduce themselves and say hello to everybody. Hello, everyone. So I say, um, my friend Emmanuel, um, producer of the films Ribbons of Blue, Troubled Waters, and Nana's Paradise. We are happy to be here with you tonight. I hope that you feel relaxed and um, you are going to enjoy this beautiful session with us. All right. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm Kenty. Um, most of you have probably seen my face in a couple of the films, but I'm glad to be here and glad to participate in this call and to share with you know, uh, those who are watching, uh, you know, the Anna story. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm excited too. Um, we're, I just want us to start off the conversation because a lot of people don't know this. And I know some people might be curious because some people see the films, they don't know a lot about your background. So I wanted to start the conversation with, how did you, how did you start acting? Where, how did you get into this thing of, comedy and acting? How did you get to where people saw you on the screen? Well, I started acting in my backyard and in my community from the tender age of six. I would um, visit the, the shutins, people who were sick and uh, were unable to go out to enjoy themselves or socialize. So I would go to them. I took the task upon myself at that age to go to the people who could not go out to socialize it in society. And I would dance and create my own, compose my own songs. I would dance and, and, and you know, entertain them. And what really made me happy is just to see a smile on their faces, you know, see them smiling, hearing that laughter ringing in my ears. To me, that was the most enjoyable time and that's when I started acting from that age. Okay. Is, is, do you think there was anything that really that really got you to just take that first step into doing it? Like what is it just your personality or 
Like, what what caused you to just get off the, the bench and start doing that at such a young age? I guess it was with my blood. I don't know. I I just enjoyed watching them laugh. I, you know, I was always very conscious of people's pains, and I never wanted to see anyone looking sad. So to me, when I went out there and I made them laugh, that would make my day. But I also started earning my daily bread back then too, because I remember I would take a little tin of grapefruit and I would leave when I le left home. I would go to those homes because they always wanted to offer me something. They would drop 25 cents in my grapefruit tin. Sometimes they would drop a dollar. It depends on how the performance went with them. So I would return home knowing that I had earned my pay for the day. But then it was more or less just having fun with people in my community. And that was what really made me happy. All right. Well, what about you, Kenty? Yeah, I actually started um, I actually started acting through my mom. And I remember back in the day, we were mostly doing uh, stage productions for uh, small, well, small skits um, at, at our church and for concerts to, you know, raise funds for, you know, like the Pathfinder Club and other you know, initiatives that were taking place. And, you know, we would host our own concerts and stuff. And I was pretty young at the time. I believe I was probably 10, 11, if not younger. Um, and um, I got, then I got introduced to Mafrin, you know. Um, and from that time on, you know, we began, I began doing stage productions with her. And, and then it, it, it grew into, you know, doing uh, um, films and, and, and these productions and so forth. So it's been a wonderful experience um, participating and, you know, basically just bringing out a story, you know, through, through acting. So I've enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, for me, you know, I have to share mine too, you know. <laughs> for me, I when I, um, <laughs> of course, when I was, um, I remember my very first memory when it comes to acting or drama. I remember I was a little child um, and we were at the Deriso Church, Deriso SDA Church. And back then, my, my mom had a group called Visio de la Vie. And I know some people on the line might even remember that group. Um, that group was where it all started. And I was, I, I can't even remember how old I was, but I just remember you know, seeing my mom playing a scene. And in this scene, another guy was, he was playing the part of her husband, right? And I saw the man and in my little brain as a child, I was like, that's not my daddy. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want a new daddy. <laughs> so I start crying, you know? <laughs> some of the people there you know they came and they held me you know and they held me up and my mother had to say boy behave yourself boy behave yourself you know so that was my introduction to acting you know I thought I was going pretty to have young a new then. daddy yeah you were very young at that time <laughs> um, so that this has been what, I, what I've known my whole life you know and I really enjoy it I really enjoy it. I've enjoyed the stories that I've seen um, come from Iron Pictures and it's been a great experience and I'm excited to talk about it today, you know um, now, I know for me, if I were to take away that component of my life, take away 
all the concerts, take away all the movies, take away all the stories, I would be a very different person, you know, because I think, I think acting kind of opened up my more extroverted side, um, gave me more confidence, you know, and really affected my childhood in that way. Um, I just wanted to know if you all feel the same, if you all feel that um, your childhood and even your personality has been changed or influenced by your experience with acting and performing. Can you go first? <laughs> yeah, for for me, um, for me, it has certainly you know allowed you to be a lot more. I would say bold, um, because when you're acting, you're basically taking yourself out of yourself and becoming someone else. And so, when you you know even in in life in general, when you maybe face with a, 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 maybe you have to do a presentation or you have to go to a, a job interview or something that would typically tend to get you nervous and, or, you know, you, you kind of use those little skills to sort of help, you know, relax and, and, and keep your mind focused, you know. So it has helped in that way. Of course, it comes, you know, with some, sometimes, you know, you drive by and people see you and they think that that's the real person there, you know, and people just say, let me see it, let me see it, wait, 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 you know, so, so those are some of the things you, 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 know, you have to deal with. But as a young person, as a young person growing up, um, it has certainly helped me and helped me be more confident, you know, in, in my, in my, um, just my interaction with people at different levels. And so, you know, of course, it always helps when people, you know, when you go to, when you go somewhere and the people know you, oh, you're the guy from the Blue, you know, that always helps because, you know, you already have a foot in the door. So you get those kind of perks, you know. But other than that, for an individual, I can certainly say that it might help my personality, help me become more confident in myself. Um, do things that you never thought you, you would do and do it so that, you know, like you're on a stage, you know. Sometimes I've, I've played, I've, I've portrayed, you know, or I've played, um, you know, characters where, you have to be, you know, barefooted, you know, like walking in the dirt in the mud, that kind of thing. People typically, you know, would ask questions about that. One time I had to lie, lie down in the coffin, you know. People, you know, would look at you. So those kind of things just help you get out of your shell, you know, and yeah. help you become more confident. And these are things that young people always need, you know, when, especially when you have, when you go, when you're dealing with maybe issues of like low self-confidence and self-esteem, that kind of stuff. You know, you help feel a lot better about yourself. And more than that, the bigger picture is that you're doing something that is impacting someone's life somewhere. And, this, and you know, the, 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 the productions that you do, whether they're on stage or in front of a screen, they live on. You know, the memory of it lives on. And for the, for the, for the, for the movies that we've done, I mean, the films are out there. And even up until today, I mean, you know, we, we did uh, Ribbons of Blue and Tears in the Valley like over what, over 10 years now, and people still talk about it. They watch the film and they still cry. And so yes. mm -hmm. just doing, just being able to participate in something like that and being able to, to create and to share a story, um, you know, to know that you're actually helping someone out there in some time. You know, I mean, look, we're talking about 10, 15 years later and people are still talking yeah. about these stories. Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of thing that I, you know, that I, that, that also is beneficial. You know, you get to be part of something that is bigger than yourself. You get to help change lives because sometimes you, 
people tend to think that because they're on the stage, uh, what they're doing is, to, you know, they may be shy. Or but think about the bigger picture here. You're actually helping tell a story that somebody else yeah. out there, you know, would experience a life-changing moment. And sometimes all they need to see is how you on stage would deal with it because they themselves mm-hmm. maybe, you know, are dealing with it too. So, you know, at, at so many different levels, you're just helping to change your life. Yeah. And so it's great to be part of, a, you know, that kind of, that, that kind of opportunity yeah. and to be able to help um, transform people's lives in that way. Absolutely. For me, it was rather strange though, because when I was very young, I was very, very quiet. I considered myself to be an introvert and most of the people in my community, you know, looked at me as, you know, someone, in fact, um, who is very quiet. Some people even used to say, um, but on the stage, when they met me on stage, I was completely, completely different. So, um, and when I started teaching at the age of 17, in the classroom, you know, I began to use my acting skills, especially when it came, it came to mathematics. I, I really, up to now, don't like maths. For me, maths second Chinese, like Japanese on the chalkboard. Like long teacher, so when I graduated from Fort Compre, I decided that I would use my, my skills, you know, in the classroom when I became a teacher, because that's what I really wanted to do, either nursing or teaching. And um, when I started teaching, I could see the tension in the classroom that the students went through. So what I did, I started using drama. I would tell them, okay, this is, I would actually dress some of the characters, you know, use my props in the classroom. So this is Mr. Tom. Mr. Tom, give him a basket, has 20 mangoes or whatever I would use in the class. Um, 20 mangoes, for example. And uh, he met Mrs. Um, J- Miss Jane on the way and he gave Miss Jane 10 mangoes. And you just, in a minute, you'd have all the children, all of them would be shooting their hands up. It's like mathematics became alive in the classroom when it came to drama, using drama. And it was always fun. And that's what I always wish my teachers could have done in the classroom for me. I knew back then, if that had happened, that I would look at this subject in a different, different, totally different area. And I also learned that for children and even for adults, we all learn in different ways. We have our different learning styles. For me, you have to be dramatic. Don't come even in church. I don't want anyone dead person coming to the front there and just reading something from the Bible and telling me Jonah swallowed a whale. Hello. <laughs> or the whale swallowed Jonah. You are talking as it were. You, you know, you are, you are on death row. No. I, I want to know that you are being inspired by, by what you are going to present to me specifically, I mean, among the, the people there, I need to know that you are resonating with me well enough, you are touching, you are inspiring me. So for that, I would also, when it comes to that, I, when I entered my classroom, I always wanted to know that I was meeting the needs of my children in all kinds of ways. Those were very quiet, exceptional students. They didn't have to worry that much. But when it came to the slow learners, to me, we needed to wake them up a bit and help them feel comfortable and happy in the classroom before they gain that concept that you are coming with. So I, I found what you said there very interesting you know, because it sounds like what you've done is you took 
some of the concepts that you learned from teaching. And then you also took some of the concepts that you have from storytelling and from creating stories. And you merged the two together to empower both sides of the equation, right? Yeah. All right. And that's something, you know, I've known you for as long as I've known anything. <laughs> and that, that just occurred to me. So I think that's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, th there's one thing I, I wanted to, to move to and just uh, share with the world because there's, there's a, a film. Most people know about Ribbons of Blue. Most people know about Nana's Paradise, Troubled Waters. But there is a film that started the whole thing. Uh, a film that, you know, created the path for those things. And it's called Tears in the Valley. And I just wanted, I just wanted to, to get some of your, your memories about what the creation of that very first film was like for you. Well, it, that came as a surprise because I never knew that I could produce films. I never went to school. I have no formal training. That was rather strange. But I remember receiving a letter from the Substance Abuse Secretariat um, one afternoon, and I read the letter briefly. And at that point in time, I thought they were actually asking me to produce a film. I don't know where that, that idea came from because I know during that period of time, I was busy raising funds for um, sick people in my community, those who needed um, to travel overseas for treatment, Martinique, wherever, London, wherever. One of the things I used to do in my community is to just you know write a, a, a script, a play quickly when they needed my assistance and um, just host a concert. And they had seen one of my plays, The White Angel. So I know they were, you know, very happy about what I was doing. So I, at, back then, I don't know what, you know, why I thought it was a film that they wanted, a short film. I immediately started writing the script. I got my actors together. I got Kenty Ramdat, who is right here with us. Um, some of the young people from the church. And we went to Prale and I started filming. And when Mr. Edwards arrived that one afternoon, I remember him saying, oh my God, Mrs. Emmanuel, I didn't know you had taken our request that far, but this is rather amazing. And, um, you know, my cameraman, Michael Joseph, he was there, you know, filming and everything was going smoothly. So we continued the story, filming the story. And when it was aired on NCN, oh my goodness, everybody, I, had, I received so many calls when that short film was released. It was rather amazing. But Malawesma, when I look at this um, production right now, it's not you know, a piece of work that I am proud of because during that period of time, we didn't have the right cameras and um, some of the scenes are blurry, you know? So I don't, it's not, you know, I, I remember a friend of mine, Kuliman, who has, you know, been trying to help us. He asked me for it. That was a request from everyone. They need to see the first movie. But I, I keep telling people my first real movie is Ribbons of Blue. Tears in the Valley is a beautiful story and people loved it. But um, I don't know, maybe one day we can ask NTN if they have it you know, in the archive to play it because I think they should have a copy. 
Do you think you think you'd ever consider? And just before I say this, I want to shout out to everybody on the live right now. We're so glad to have you guys with us. Um, make sure to like, share, let your friends know about it. Let your friends know that this is happening so they don't miss it. All right. <laughs> Okay. Uh, but what I, what I was about to say is you think there's ever a possibility that you would actually redo Tears in the Valley since the story was so good? Yeah, I would be happy to now that Kenti Ramdat is back on track. And we have so many wonderful actors. You know, St. Lucia, I mean, I'm just so proud of our young people. I always keep on saying that we have Lucian Hood. We don't have Hollywood, Nollywood, <laughs> but we have Lucian Hood. And we should be proud of what we have. I have received so many requests from young women, young men who keep asking me, to remember them when we, you know, move to the next production. And um, it, was, it has been a wonderful experience. I am not the only good actress in St. Lucia. No, we are all, I think most of our young people, if, uh, if they're given that chance, will make us proud. So I, I, I don't mind, um, you know, reproducing that film because it was very edu educational, entertaining and ins inspirational as well. So why not? Right, and I, I definitely agree. And I, I think I, I, I would say that talent and uh, skill is not in short supply in the Caribbean, you know? No, 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 not at all. So uh, mm. we can absolutely do that. I want to also, I don't know if you guys on the line know, but Kenty, Kenty was the star actor in Tears in the Valley. And yes. Kenty, I know that that was your very first time ever starring in a film. Right, and it was a new experience for a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit about your story while you were in that? Yeah, it, it was a crazy experience, uh, not only before, during, but also after, you know, because I got a lot of death threats. <laughs> I, got I, got, I got labeled as a guy with AIDS, and I'd be walking the streets oh, in cash. Oh and as a guy with AIDS, as a guy with <laughs> but it was yeah, it was um I mean like like my friend rightly said, it, it, it was a first time experience for all of us. I mean it was the first time that we were actually, you know, being caught on camera, you know what I mean? Um and so, you know, it 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 created this kind of a feeling where, you know, sometimes, you know, we were at we were acting, but at the same time we were learning how to act. You know, because yeah. now we, we we're not in, we're not in, we're not on a stage. We're in front of a camera. You can't just stare in the camera and, and talk. You know, you have to you know factoring all of those things. But in terms of the story itself, it was an interesting story because, um, you know, at the time the the, the story that we were telling there was a there was there was a need for it in Saint Lucia. I mean, talking about um, Saint Lucia being hit, you know, with the AIDS epidemic, yeah. and then the um, the Department of Substance Abuse, you know, reaching out to us, you know, to help tell the story, you know, to young people. And most of the most of the actors in the film, you know, were young people, you know, like myself. I mean, obviously I was much younger then. Um, but, you know, it was a way of young people seeing themselves, you know, not just by way of a story, but but seeing also the consequences of what could happen when they participated in, you know, drug, you know, enjoying drugs and alcohol and, and bad company and engaged in, you know, um, all kinds of sexual activity and that kind of stuff. And so um, it was, on one hand for me, you know, I mean, the story was nice, but, you know, um, it got, like I said, it got scary because, you know, I, I didn't think that people would have taken this thing so seriously, but it did. But the, 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 the truth is the story, you know, we know, the, we, know, we know that there were people out there who were impacted by the story. Yeah. 
Um, and that's that has always been our 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 um, our motivation to make sure that the the stories that we tell, you know, um, um, tell the true story of what we what we try yes. to of what we try to you know portray, and that people get the message. Um, if not, if people don't get the message, then you know what we're doing is basically just for entertainment purposes. But we are more than that, you know. So yeah, it was a first time experience, and man, there was a lot to learn. I remember this particular scene. I remember this particular scene. We were filming in Prale, and I got. I remember I got so caught up, you know, in 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 that particular scene, and that scene at that at that time, uh, I was required to to cross the street, right? Cross the street. I think I, I was. Um, yeah, I, was I, high on I was high on drugs. I was high on drugs. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and I was I was yeah. out there now trying to find food and all that kind of stuff. You know, this crazy guy. You know, and I remember crossing the street, mm-hmm. and I, I it, it didn't occur to me that I should be look that I should have looked left to right. Of course, I was a crazy guy. So what do crazy people yeah. do? And uh, the funny thing about mm-hmm. that. In, the funny thing is, man, a vehicle was coming. You know, there was an oncoming vehicle, and, and I, I was yeah. just when I when I crossed the street, I looked back and I was like, "Wait, what just happened?" <laughs> you <know? laughs> so you know, did that someone? That, and then and then as well, I remember yeah. having to lie having to lie down in a in a coffin. You know, for the first time. Um, the interesting thing about that coffin story is we had to transport. We had to, we had a vehicle uh, to transport the coffin from Viewfort all the way to Prale. And I remember in particular that day, <laughs> that day, right? Not a single vehicle wanted to be behind that that um that van. They just refused to be, you know. They gave it, you know, <laughs> you know. And it was interesting because now I found myself having to having to you know lie down in a coffin and get filmed and everything, you know. So it's always interesting because people were like, you know, in Saint Lucia we have this thing about coffin and all that kind of stuff. But it was an interesting scene, you know, just to be able to, you know, go in there. And people are asking me, you know, people are asking, did you really die? What happened? Did you really get AIDS? <laughs> did you die? Are you hurt? Did you die? <laughs> <laughs> did you really die? Are you alive? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we were, we were happy to participate and to share the story, you know. I mean, it came to us in that way. Yeah. And it was our first introduction to the world, the world of, um, of filming. And... You know, we did our best. We learned. We learned a whole lot, and then we continued from there. You know, absolutely. Now, Mami, I know in that in that episode you were um, not episode, but in that film you were playing Kenty's. Uh, I can't remember his, his name in Tears in the Valley, but you were playing his his mother in that film, and I know. You know, because of the plot and because of you know what happened to him, I know it, it. You had to really connect to the role. How how do you say? Do you remember your experience when you were both trying to direct and also connecting to that character? Um, playing the role as his mother, um, it was just natural because. As I keep saying, the minute you you have to portray or become you, or, or get into character, you must have, if you have the experience, for example, of being a mother, it becomes natural. Watching your son going through that kind of experience is no easy task for a mother. And so 
I would, what I would do is internalize that whole pain, that emotional trauma of just watching my son go through that mental, you know, all those mental issues. I mean, losing, he had a good job and, you know, just watching him, you know, go through all of that. It, you, you know, when you tell me the, how I handled, I mean, being that mother, and being the director as well, it was like just, just switching from one to the next and doing that as quickly as I could. But then I, I would feel the pain watching him as my son and working with him, you know, on cast, you know, on, sorry, while through acting. And um, at the same time, directing and ensuring that people get the story in the same way that it should. And it has that kind of effect on them. That was of prime importance to me at the time. All right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, you know, and it makes me wonder, it makes me wonder how you carried, because this was, this was Tears in the Valley, but then Tears in the Valley led us into Ribbons of Blue now. And <laughs> I know a, a lot more people watching this can relate to Ribbons of Blue. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you can see it right now at www.ianolapictures.com. Uh, but how did you take those lessons that you learned from Tears in the Valley? And what were those lessons that you learned from Tears in the Valley that you then took into Ribbons of Blue? One of the main um, lessons that I, I transported, let's put it that way, <laughs> is um, ensuring that whilst you work with young people, you make them feel important, you listen to them, and at the same time, you ensure that that platform that you are on is not one where you, you are too demanding. And even if you have to be, you have to know how to present it to them, how to speak, how to relate, how to enjoy the experience, and at the same time, um, help them understand that this is not a joke going on, that we have a story, you know, that we, which is very important, one which will save lives, and as, you know, not just Christians, as um, community folks, we have to ensure that whatever we do, we do it well, and um, we take that kind of responsibility that um, we're not just there to have fun, whilst I want to ensure that we are having fun. Because if we're not having fun, then I don't think we can manage to, you know, work together. You know, young people, young people will not be yeah. there with you if you, if you're, you know, it must, your personality must be one that's engaging, one they, they want to be with you. If they don't want to be with you, you might not get them the next time you need them. So it must be an open forum, a place where people are inspired, a place where they want to be, a place where they want to engage and help you produce your story. It must be one that will inspire not just you, but them. And in turn, they know that they will be inspiring others by it. Yeah, you know, you saying this, you remind me of the experience. You know, I remember when Ribbons of Blue was being filmed, people would, and you know, this is the same thing throughout all the, the films. Everybody would look forward to going there because it was a fun place to be. You know, we had a lot of fun on set, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and that actually makes me think about um, the whole approach to, to creating these stories, right? Um, you haven't always been big on script writing. 
And I think it's very powerful how you still bring out the stories in uh, a not very traditional way. You know, some people uh, probably could not bring forward a film with no or not a very detailed script, you know? So can you tell us a little bit about your whole process to, uh, with doing that? It's one of the things I often ask myself. I've traveled tremendously. I've been interviewed. I've gone to Oxford, Univers Oxford University. I remember Ribbons of Blue was the only movie screened twice at Oxford University. And um, they had the harder they come from Jamaica. Um, they had a film from the USA, um, the civil rights movement. And um, after Ribbons of Blue was screened twice, I remember journalists walked up to me and asked me, how do you go about reducing your films? Write the script with your manager, with your manager. And I stood there for a minute because I was not expecting that question. And um, I just pointed to heaven and I said, that's where my manager is. Because again, when it comes to script writing, I had never really written a proper script. So I know it. whatever I have done has come through inspiration because nobody wants to believe me up to this point. No one wants to believe. In fact, when I was interviewed in Trinidad by Mr. Paddington, who is a professor in that theater arts field, and um, we were on our way to be um, interviewed by, you know, um, Gael TV and um, by one of the reporters there because they told me some of the young men from one of the colleges had come to tell them that they had seen a movie that cracked the nuts. And when they met me, the journalist was just crying and whatever. Oh, that, that experience, that has been frequent. But everywhere you go, people are crying. And when they ask you the question, sometimes they take you by surprise. So when he asked me, Mr. Paddington, coming back to him, um, Mr. Emmanuel, how long does it take you to produce a film? And um, your script writing and whatever. I remember, you know, I just fell into a mode of silence. I did not want to respond to that because everywhere I had gone before, people refused to listen. They refused to accept the fact that I actually did that. Ribbons of Blue had come as Ken sees that he can testify to that. You were there. It was just a matter of saying to my actors, okay, this is what we are going to do today. I come in with the props and everything. Okay, I am your mother, okay? And you're my daughter. Um, <laughs> Mandy, now Mandy, <laughs> Mandy, uh, now in a situation like this, you are my daughter and um, I am very poor and whatever, and I want you to relate the same way you'd have, you know, related to me if you were a bad girl, you know, and that kind of mm. thing. And I would sit, she would laugh, and then I would sit there and I will tell her, okay, brother Mike is getting ready, action. Let's roll it. <laughs> and we we'll did, we'll do it once and twice, and it, it would happen over and over and over again. I can remember my young actors when we produced Nana's Paradise. Remember, Kenny? Once one of them walked up to me and she said, um, um, Miss Maffrin, how come you crying so fast? I can't cry so fast. Huh? How are you doing this? <laughs> you know, and those young children, I know that no one would want to believe that those little girls didn't have any script. It's just how great I believe our young people can be if we work well with them. 
None of them had a script. We went through Nana's Paradise without a script. We went through Ribbons of Blue without a script. Tears in the Valley, well, we'd have that little paper, that little sheet of paper once, you know, checking here and there. And um, well, Shanti's world now, Katie, when it comes to the script now, I remember Drenia Frederick, after I won the competition, um, we had to pitch what, that What competition was and, that? Uh, what competition? Yeah, well, there was a competition in St. Lucia, in, it was in 2014. And um, they invited all producers, professionals were invited to pitch mm -hmm. a concept about a film that they would want to produce in St. Lucia. And um, um, we were told that the person who wins will receive a form of a financial assistance. I was reluctant now, at first. Hold on, I, I just want to, because I know some people watching might actually be interested in actually participating in that, in that competition. Is that something that's still running? No. monthly or every no, year it or... Just, okay no, it's just not. a one-time thing no it was a one-time thing okay okay i was reluctant because at the time i had my concept because i had traveled within the caribbean region and um i had um, visited some of the libraries i had um held 22 screenings visited the elementary schools the secondary schools colleges um we had screened trouble waters nana's paradise ribbons of blue and all oh, the children were just so excited about um those movies but something struck me as you know one of our primary needs in the Caribbean when it comes to educating our young people. I kept thinking at the time when I left um, St. Vincent that um, we're missing our past. We are missing our history. Because when I visited the libraries, I didn't see any novel that I could just pull and just pick up, you know, and just sit and read about what transpired during those um, days, post-colonial times and whatever. And that's how the concept of Shante came into play. When I was only traveling back to St. Lucia, I said to myself, if I have to film another movie, it will be something of that sort. So when I heard about the, the competition, Nadia was the one who kept on, you know, begging me to, you know, participate. At the time, I wasn't quite ready. So I said, I don't want to sell out my concept, and then I don't have what it takes to, you know, start working on it. But when I went, most of the producers did the best. They pitched. They did very well, but I won. And then I remember Drenia Fedrick, who works with CDF. She told me at a meeting, she told me, Mafrin, you know what? You have said time after time that you produce movies without a script. This time, put your butt down and write a script. She took me by surprise <laughs> and I wasn't upset. I just looked at Drenia and I smiled. And I said, and I, as I arrived home, I started reading Google search, reading about script. I started reading, you know, samples of scripts, you know, or the seasoned producers have, you know, written. And I started writing Shanti's World. Okay. Okay. Now, you mentioned the CDF there. Just for the folks on the line or anybody watching right now, the CDF is the Cultural Development Foundation, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so first off, again, I want to talk to the people watching this right now. If you have any questions, now is the time to send in your questions. We are answering questions. We are monitoring the comments. So just send in any questions that you have. If you want to talk to us, just let us know. We're right here and we're available to you. All right. Um, now, Kenty, in Ribbons of Blue, 
you have a rule that that was a little tough in my opinion because I played a similar role this past Christmas um, and you were you were Mandy's fiance right and you in, in in the film you broke up with Mandy for a very particular reason I kind of want to know how you manage in that scene to be both caring and sympathetic but also uh unforgiving in that you had to just <laughs> break off break off the relationship breaking up <laughs> well well the first thing is that I, I was required to be that way based on the story <laughs> <laughs> you want to make but, uh, that clear <laughs> <laughs> but um you know it's it's something that happens you know in relationships i think you know in a general sense um I mean, the story was one of the things for Romanus um, in that story, which was, of, of course, me, is that he was very close to his own mom. And his mom had sacrificed, um, you know, along the, the same lines as Mandy's mom. You know, uh, my mom used to sell icicles. You know, her mom, obviously, I found out later on, you know, after the, the whole thing blew up, what, you know, she sold charcoal and what have you. So we had similar backgrounds. And so I think um, my character, you know, I was very open about that. This is me, you know. And in relationships, I think, you know, it's important that people understand the importance of being transparent. You get my point? Yeah. And so being able to to share and Guess what? We were at medical school. Who cares what yeah. your what, you know what your background was? <laughs> we were medical school. I mean, come on, we we're changing our future. We we are not selling icicles or selling selling alcohol again. And so, um, so then in in one sense, you know, you understand that you were ashamed, and at the same time, you have a, a, a the other thing too is she was also pregnant. You get my point. Yeah. And, and I wish we could have a sequel to that story because we, the story needs to continue, you know? <laughs> you know Ruins of Blue Pato. Yeah, you know, to show what happened, you know? So many um, people are asking the, for that. Yeah, to show what happened after after the ribbons came off that yes. tree, you know what I mean? Um, so on one hand, you know, there was this, you know, compassion because, hey, you, have, you now have a greater responsibility in their relationship because she's pregnant. On the other hand, you're disappointed because... All along, you've been, you know, going through this relationship with the understanding that, hey, we're in this together. We're both at medical school looking out for each other. This is me. This is my background. And, you know, you obviously you come there telling a different story about who you really are. And so, you know, that's where, you know, the compassion ends and to say, you know, hey, you know what? I don't think, you know, I don't think that it's going to work hard for us. You know, and again, that, that's, that's why I said um, the story ended there, but. I think in terms of the, in, 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 in the Caribbean context, right? Um, that's what happens. You know, we have a lot of broken relationships in the Caribbean. Um, we have a lot of relationships, single parent relationships, you know, things don't always go right. Um, you know, things fall apart along the way, but what happens after, you know, a lot of parents, you know, like in, in Mandy's case, she was pursuing a career and here she is now in a situation where, boyfriend you know fiance broke up with her and she can't continue because she's a total wreck and uh, you know she never got to finish 
um, medical school. She had to return home for her mom to help her out. The same person that she rejected, you know, all along. Right, right. And so these are themes that, like I said earlier, you know, that are real in our day-to-day lives. And yeah. and so and so for Romanus, you know, having to play that kind of a, a, a balancing act where you have to be compassionate, understanding, and at the same time, you have to be you have to be upfront with your feelings. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I guess like I said, we had similar backgrounds, but I was upfront. I, I shared where I came from, my mother what what she did, and then here you are pretending to be someone else. For what purpose? You get my point? It was a very disappointing scene. You know, I know a lot of people, you know, you know. And the, the I think, I think a lot of people were celebrating in that scene, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, that's good, you know. But yeah, again, the, the, important, mm-hmm. yeah, the important thing there, guys, is that in, in, in our digital relationships, you know, we have a lot of brokenness in people. And there's a reason why money behave that way. A lot of people are like that. A lot of our people are like that, you know, they pretend to be something that they're not just because they want to keep the man, you know, they want to keep the man. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, it still works out to the disadvantage. And so, again, a story, I mean, a lesson about relationships right there in that scene. Very important one. Yeah. yeah. I agree with that for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, right on point. <laughs> now, somebody wants somebody wants to know when she came back from hey Faye, I see Faye um Faye Caroline uh, send us a comment there. She says she she wants to know um uh what happened when Mandy came back from England. I guess we're talking about the sequel, you know. <laughs> yeah, she'll find out later. I think I think Mandy was in the calls, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's where some people wanted to Mandy up. to end up. Yeah, she loved to end up, you know, working with the girls. People don't yeah, like Mandy helping, at all. Helping her mother. Yeah. But I mean, I think towards the end. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. I think towards the end, Mandy kind of learned her lesson, though. You know? Yeah. For sure. Um, that's why not... I cannot um, really produce a part two. Yeah. Because if she learns a lesson, that means she'll be a good girl. <laughs> there's not <Yeah>. much <laughs> to learn there now apart from the fact that she realizes that a mom is more important than you know material things and whatever well you know here's an interesting twist right here's an interesting twist people get second chances yeah another love mm-hmm. story you know people get second chances yeah mm-hmm. uh, Kenzie, there's another question I wanted to ask you too because in 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 Ribbons of Blue as well, you also had a Jamaican accent because you were Jamaican oh. in that film. Yeah, that one was a difficult one. You know? So, so, <laughs> so how did how, what did you do to try to get that Jamaican accent? Well, boy, I tell you, you know, that's back in the day, YouTube was still around. And YouTube was already around. I'm just, <laughs> you know, you go online and you listen to some of the Jamaican guys. You know, you listen to some of the Jamaican accent and you practice, you know, you just play around. One of the things about acting is off, off screen, you know, there's there's so much preparation that has to be done. Yeah. And sometimes that preparation happens even in your sleep. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you just, well, like what I would do is there are certain lines that, you know, I had to say. And I would just try to rehearse those lines using the, the, the Jamaican accent. And again, you know, you go online and you listen to the Jamaican speak, you try to, you know, adopt that same kind of thing. And that's what acting is all about. Like I said, t- taking yourself 
to a place where you, you know, and up until this day, you know, I know, I am man, you watch me, I'm Jamaican man, man. Why, man, why you lie to me, man? Why you lie to me? You know, I still have a little thing, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, it takes a little practice. All right, all right. Well, I, I agree with you that it definitely does take some preparation. And, Mami, when you mentioned um, uh, the, the person in Nana's Paradise asking you how you cried so quickly, I remember there was a scene in Nana's Paradise where I was supposed to cry. And yeah. those tears took forever that day. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> that day the floodgates will not open up. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, there's a lot of things you know that happen behind the scenes. And guys on the line, we just want to share with y'all. We just want to be more transparent with y'all and just kind of open the doors and let y'all know a little bit more about the Ionola story. Um, you know, like this is your chance to ask your question. So if you haven't asked your question yet, hop in the comments and let us know. Um, so the next thing I want to ask you about, Kenzie, and I, I know this might not be your favorite question, so brace <laughs> yourself. <laughs> okay, man. Okay, man. <laughs> Jamaica. <laughs> Troubled Waters, right? Troubled Waters was the film after Rubens of Blue. Oh, um, in Troubled Waters, you play a, a stepfather. That's you. Mm -hmm. A stepfather, right? Yeah. Um, you play a stepfather who sexually assaults his stepdaughter. Can you say that differently? Now, no? Huh? <laughs> a sexual abuse. No? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the right way to say it, but he it's did okay. some bad it's stuff. It's okay. You know? Go right ahead. It wasn't me, though. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't you. It was the role. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just want to know when you play in a role like that of playing somebody yeah. who is. Who is a terrible person like that? How mm -hmm. how is how is that done? How do you bring yourself into that character? How do you navigate, you know, those emotions and that kind of thing? Right? Yeah, that was a tough one. Actually, I remember I remember vividly um, when uh, my friend told me that she was, you know, that I would have to play that she was assigning me, you know, that role. I remember going online and reading doing a lot of research into the psychology, you know, of a child molester. Um, just to understand some of the things that are, that, that occurs, you know, leading up to that kind of activity or that kind of a behavior. So, because it, obviously this is not something that you do, you know, that you portray. For, the, for me, it was the first time, you know, I had to be, I had to now learn to be the bad guy you know um and so i read a lot about um like uh, behavioral patterns things that like a child molester would do like give give gifts you know and like appear to be overly friendly i'm not suggesting that anybody who gives gifts to your child or appears that way i'm just saying is that what that's what i i read and that's what i sort of had to to do to bring out the character in that particular film so you know yeah so being overly overly um, charitable, you know, welcoming, but at the same time, um, very um, wanting to be with the child privately, you know, a lot, wanting, the, wanting the, the parent or the parents to be away and sort of convincing the parent that they are responsible enough to take care of, you know, stuff like that. 
alone, you know? I mean, here you are as a parent in a stranger's house with your kid and you're already convinced that he's, he's okay, that kind of thing. Um, so, I, you know, I sort of had, you know, for, for, for moments, you know, whilst we were filming, I had to be reminding myself of, of these things so that, I can, you know, it will play out in the different scenes. For example, there's a scene where, um, where Mr. Everton has, you know, this little toy and he calls a little, you know, calls, um, what's it, Risa, calls Risa and says, hey, look what I got for you. And he has this little toy with this little man, you know, who plays a little jingle, and he drops his pants, and he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's a way of playing into the child's mind, you know, try to tell the child, hey, if my pants drop, it's okay, don't be afraid, it's just a little game. Just a, yes, exactly. It's a little game. And, and, you know, these are things, you know, that happens, you know, in real life. And in, in many cases, it happens even worse than that. You get my point? But again, the whole idea behind what we were doing is to tell a story. And the story is not just about showing what can happen, but also educating people about certain things, uh, certain ills and evils that are out there in the society that, that they should be mindful of and guard against. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, these things are out there and in many circles. We don't talk about it. When it happens, we sort of push it under the rug. You know, when everybody just somehow continue living life as normal, at least it appears that way. We, but deep down inside, you know, people are, are dealing with brokenness. People are dealing with other issues, you know, that would later on manifest itself. It is something that, you know, people be like, well, I didn't know you could do that. Well, yeah, because I've been harboring some, you know, sometimes something that's really dark inside here. And all of a sudden I can't hold it no more. So I do something crazy, you know. So that's how some of those things play out. And, and again, like I said, the great part of what we do is we educate people about certain social issues and, and stuff like that. So it was a very difficult part for me uh, because I, it was you know, no longer along the lines of a relationship, but this is, I literally had to put on the mind of a bad man. Do you understand what I mean? A bad man in the sense that somebody who's just out to get, you know, <laughs> get a kid. I remember this scene, you know, where Mr. Everton is like, you know, he's, he's opening the door, you know, like he just cut the door a little open, and you see his big bulging eyes, you know, staring at the little guy, <laughs> you know, staring at the camera, you know, <laughs> and he's about to do something evil, you know. I mean, if I was watching, if I was watching Mr. Everton, I'd probably throw a stone at the television, you know. <laughs> Mr. Everton was just a bad man. So yeah, so it was a difficult scene in that sense, um, but we had to tell the story. That was a, that, that that was the objective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Troubled Waters was released at a moment in time when, you know, it, 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 this was before the whole Me Too movement and, and when sexual abuse and sexual assault was really in the face of the public eye, you know? So, so Mrs. Emmanuel, <laughs> would you, what, what would you say brought you to the point that you would want to, to share a story like that with the world? way back when it, it wasn't really, uh, uh, it was kind of a taboo uh, topic, you know? It wasn't really something that was in the public discourse. Well, what really inspired me back then was the news. I had just returned from the United States and um, I was reading a newspaper. And um, at that point in time, you know, I think it was a few days before I read that paper, a young girl had been raped and killed. 
somewhere in Choiselle. And um, I got so angry. I was so upset. I, you know, emotionally, I, you know, I could just identify with the mother, that child's mother, losing your child. And the child was killed, not just molested, you know. The child was raped and murdered. And I said, you know, I don't have what it takes. I can develop a story. I know I can do that easily. I may not have the finance to do it, but it could take whatever. I said as a teacher, I am going to put a story together so that the parents can understand how careful they have to be with little girls, and especially now little boys as well, when it comes to those pedophiles. You, when you are in a relationship with a man, you have to act and you have kids, you have to ensure that you, you know, you, 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 you understand who you are taking into your child's life. And you should never be naive, you understand? I remember I was in the kitchen once with you, Keddy, and um, I told you, I don't know if you can remember that, but I remember telling you that I have not watched that movie twice. After it was produced, I never took time to sit and watch it because every time I did, I would get upset. And I remember you were leaning you know, against the wall in the kitchen and you, you looked at me and for a minute you said, mommy, you should not be um, so upset. This is a film that will save lives and it will save many children's lives. I can never forget it. And um, when you said that, I felt a little better that, you know, maybe it would help instead of bring out the anger that I was feeling and I wanted the men out there to feel, and the pain I also felt when I identified with that, that child's mother, when you put it that way and you told me, mommy, that can be a tool that can help young girls. It can save their lives. I began to see troubled waters in a different light. And as Kenty just said, whenever, you know, when it comes to iron dollar pictures, whatever stories we tell, they must inspire someone not to do or create or, 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 you know, get involved in some evil act or some evil or some societal ill that is, you know, going to destroy the lives of our people. So right. our stories are entertaining. Yes, they can be entertaining. So I remember on Saturday, many people were watching Troubled Waters and they said they are crying. They cannot take it. They cannot, you know, they were just emotional. That's what we want to bring out. We want you to feel that pain so that you can understand that when you, you, you act in that way, you are actually destroying somebody's life. You are actually bringing on some measure of pain to a soul, to a mother, a father, a child, you know? So when they said that they were crying, yes, I felt sorry too, because I was watching the film and I knew how and why I produced it. But at the same time, I wanted you to cry. I wanted you to bring out all those emotions. I wanted you to get angry because these are the things that affect our families' lives in St. Lucia, in the Caribbean and all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, we, we're quickly running out of time. Um, I, I wish we could talk a little bit longer. Um, but I have one last question that I just want to slide in uh, before we, we run out of time. Uh, if you could go back today, like if I could just take you with me, take you, Kenty, 
and just all of us could just go back in time to the end of production of Tears in the Valley, what would you tell yourself that would make things better or easier or encourage you for the next, the films that came after Tears in the Valley? Um, I think, I think for me, I would say uh, up until Tears in the Valley, you know, we were just having fun. You know what I mean? Just having fun, doing something that we love to do. At that point in time, we were not really about, we were not into like the, the, the whole movie thing yet. So we didn't quite understand the impact of video. You know, we were just into a story and acting. But I think if there's one thing that I, that I can take from that, that I can say is that um, I wish we had started video productions earlier, you know, because um, it has done so much, so much, it has changed so many, so many people's lives um, in a way that we, that we just couldn't do on stage. You know, being able to, to tell a story, you know, on screen, I think, it's just such a compelling way to change people's lives. And so I would say, I wish we had started in here. That's, that's a very good take. What yeah. about you? For me, um, one of the things I have learned is that um, I remember after traveling, you know, to several islands, you know, and being interviewed by reporters, I mean, and you know, whatever, they would ask me, what about the financial aspect of things? And I would always say the same thing. It's not about the money. It's about the stories that we tell. And I remember a reporter who worked with Gael told me, no, Mr. Emmanuel, you cannot handle things like that. If God gave you a gift, you must have the finance. You must have the money. It should be about the money. And I said to him, what are, what's wrong with you all? Everything is not about money. You know, it's about inspiring kids, inspiring families. And then he, he said something to me that, that I, I now understand. He said, well, as a producer, I realized you are gifted. Your government, you know, they should just, you know, just capture this thing because this is inspirational. This is good. This is great. You know, if you were in Trinidad, things would have gone better for you. You need the money to produce and whatever. And I said, don't worry. The minute the stories are out, he told me, let's, I want you to remember that. To tell the stories, you need the money. And you should work things out in a way that you have the financial base, a strong financial base to ensure that you continue to produce the films. And I wish back then, like Kenty said, it was not just about producing the videos, but we had established that financial base in a constructive way so that right now we would not be asking people for help here and there and whatever. I am actually getting really tired of doing that. You know, walking up those stairs, begging here and begging there. I wish I had handled it back then in a more constructive way financially. Okay. Well, folks, this has been Family Reflections, the Ayanola story. Thank you so much for joining us virtually. Uh, we'll be here twice a month uh, for a long time. <laughs> so, so, so we hope to see you guys again in two weeks. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us. Okay, Bye. Thanks for watching.